Hello, and welcome to another episode of Don't Fuck With The Original. I'm your host, Casper. And I am your other host, Becky Grimlin. Here to bring you all things... Here to bring you all things spooky on Wednesdays, because... Wednesdays are for podcasts. And clearly, I can't speak today. Ugh, I love when my computer's like, Oh, hey, you need to do these things! And I'm like, "Eh, bitch, I'm in the middle of a podcast. Can you fucking not? (laughs) (laughs) HP support assistant. No, thank you. I don't want your support. I don't need your support. Yeah, we don't need, we don't need support. We need we do need assistance, but probably not the type of assistance that they can offer. So. Right? Like no, no thanks. So you guys, we were planning on bringing you a Lizzie Borden episode tonight, but due to um, learning so much about the history of the house, because we are actually there and actually forming different opinions about who actually did the murders, we are going to wait and do a little bit more research into it before we bring you that episode, and we will be bringing that next week. So, we decided instead of doing that, a lot of you guys have been asking, you know, about details of the trip and our experiences and whatnot, so we thought we would just have an episode completely geared toward that where we talked about what we did, um... In Salem, and um, experiences that we had at the Lizzie Borden house. So that was kind of an impromptu, but <laughs> at what, 3 a.m. laying in bed at the Borden house when we were like overwhelmed and <laughs> so desperately wanting to sleep, but uh, pretty terrified. Being awoken by children and whatnot. Yeah. I'm sure you guys are probably like, being awoken by what? Yeah, um, so... Ghost children! Whoa! Yeah, actually, not actual children. Well, actual... Well, anyway. (laughs) We're still discombobulated, if you couldn't tell. Um, so... We pretty much left... What, 7 a.m. on Thursday? Yeah, we made pretty good time. Um, the drive is gorgeous, guys. Woo! Uh, It really is beautiful. You go through some really gorgeous countryside. We sort of went in kind of a circle. So it was like part of Pennsylvania through New York into Massachusetts, then back was through Connecticut, Rhode Island, or Rhode Island, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, and then to Ohio. So never thought I'd be so excited to see Ohio, even though I was really sad to see Ohio. (laughs) Very, very conflicting feelings about that. So we made, it was about a 13 hour drive. We made it around like 10 o'clock or so on, um, Thursday night, we went to the hotel, got all settled and everything, and then the next morning, guys, let me tell you something, we, carrying around this Chucky the entire time we were in Salem, he was a celebrity and people were loving it. Got pictures, What people wanted pictures with him, um, so many people, I could hear them talking, they were like, oh my god, look, it's a Chucky, and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, and I did see a few comments, so it is an actual, um, you know, we don't know if we made this clear before, so it was made by Trick or Treat Studios. You know, this this wasn't just some random one we bought. This was an actual Trick or Treat Studios made, you know, movie replica of the, of the doll. So, yeah, he wasn't just some, you know, doll we were carrying around. It was like, oh no, this is like legitimate like you know this is a this is an actual good guy doll so um yeah there were there were very few people if any that were freaked out by him I think most people were intrigued and then 
once we told them that, uh, you know, we had a podcast and what the theme of the podcast was, then people were like, oh, that sounds, we will definitely listen. Like, and so many people cool. were like, that's such a perfect place to like talk about it here. Like a horror podcast. And here I am. God, you guys, you want to talk about being absent-minded <laughs> this entire fucking trip. Sophia's like, so I ran out of stickers because she, she had a few of the Don't Fuck With The Original stickers. I'm fucking carrying them around in my purse the whole time and completely forgot about them until now. Yeah, so all the people that we couldn't give stickers to, we are sincerely sorry that's that's on me that is 100% on Casper I will take I will take full full blame for that I'm sorry I was absent-minded all weekend and I know that Becky can super attribute to that well later on we were all pretty much discombobulated after that trip it was a lot of you know being sensitives and I think Casper not realizing how sensitive she truly was, but me definitely knowing how sensitive I was. This trip was really draining, some in a good way, some in a bad way, but uh, it definitely was like a recharge for me. You know, Salem is pretty much my mecca for being a witch, and it's some place that I always wanted to go ever since God for as long as I can remember. And the place had so much history and so much, uh, I mean, stuff there that I didn't even know about. Like, I legitimately knew nothing about, uh, I, I think that most of what I knew was just about the Salem Witch Trials. But the actual history of the city itself, I, I, a lot of it I didn't know. You know, I mean, we'll, we'll definitely go into more of that during the Salem podcast that we do but you know the fact that it was like prior to 1692 it was just a fishing port and it was actually one of the richest towns in america and millionaires lived there and uh it just was mainly known for fishing and textiles and pirates of course because of you know ships and whatnot but uh really the salem witch trials is the thing that really put the town on the map and um you know, unlike other places, they've really embraced it. I mean, guys, it's literally everywhere. It's on their police department, cars, it's on the it's on the Salem Daily News as a witch. Even if you went to Salem High School, it was the Salem Witches was their mascot, which I personally thought that was pretty fucking cool. But same. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, I wish I went to this high school. That's fucking amazing. But um, you can definitely tell that they've embraced it. That, you know, I mean, why not? That's... They, you know, there's, there's monuments erected to them. And what I thought was actually really cool was in 1992, 300 years after the trials, after they had been pardoned, um, Ellie Weissel, who is a Nobel Peace Prize laureate, and he was actually a Holocaust survivor, was part of uh, building a memorial erected to the victims of the Salem Witch Trials. Um because if a lot of people don't know, and this is in this is one fact we'll throw in there, none of them were actually... So if you were accused of being a witch, you weren't giving a proper burial, burial. You weren't buried in the cemeteries like everybody else was. So except for, I believe, Rebecca Nurse and Giles Corey, there's really no record of where any of the actual bodies of the Salem witch um, 
bought in Salem, which uh, victims were buried because Rebecca Nurse's sisters made sure her body was taken back and buried in Danvers, which is where she was from. And uh, I don't really want to give a lot into Giles Corey because I really want people to hear that on the podcast that we do about Salem because that that was really freaky finding that out. Um, we learned a lot about things we didn't even know about. That's why another reason I think this weekend was overwhelming because it was just a lot of information at once about things we didn't know. We knew a lot, but we didn't know a lot clearly. Right. You know, right, right. like we knew a lot. You knew more than I did going into it. So I was even more like information overload. <laughs> well, but, I read the, you know, it was really cool going to the museum. Mm-hmm. So the first stop was the Salem Witch Museum the next day. And what we learned about, well, I knew this, but I think a lot of people still think that, uh, you know, people say like, oh, were any of them, you know, there's still this misconception of burned at the stake, which was done in England, but really primarily most witches were hung. And all the witches that were accused in Salem, except for Giles Corey, who was pressed by stone, all of them were hung. They were not burned at the stake. So, um, learning that history and about the mass hysteria of the whole thing. And, uh, I know some people, cause I even heard some, we did a, a haunted tour later and I heard some girls make a comment about the ergot poisoning, which I came to believe be true about the Salem witch trials. Come to find out that was disproven. And if most people don't know about ergot, it was a bacteria that grew on wheat and that if you ate wheat that was tainted with ergot, you would have hallucinations and different things that at the time would explain why these young girls were seeing, thought they were seeing specters of spirits and believed that these people were witches. Well, come to find out that was completely disproven. And really all it was was a group of really bored girls that were growing up during very puritanical times that were very religious. They had a slave that taught them hoodoo. One thing led to another. And all of a sudden this was their entertainment. Let's accuse townspeople of being witches. But what it led to was... Many, many, many innocent deaths. And it was a really, really, really sad, sad, tragic story. And, um, you know, it, it the one thing about that museum that was even more interesting was that it really taught you a lot about tolerance. And it also showed it went through, you know, McCarthyism and McCarthy accusing people of communism back in the 50s during the Cold War, um, the, J- the Japanese during Pearl Harbor and World War II, all Japanese that lived in America were sent to basically internment camps. Um, a little fun fact about McCarthyism, Charlie Chaplin, the actor, everybody knows him, at the height of his fame, he was accused of being a communist and had to leave the country. Um, during Japanese and the, during the Japanese internment camps, George Takei, everybody knows George Takei from the original Star Trek. Um, his family, his father's business was ripped away from him and they were locked in these internment camps. So, you know, even to this day with women's rights and different things like that happening, we're still seeing levels of quote unquote witch trials happening. So not only was this museum worth a lot of information about the trials themselves. It really taught you about tolerance and a lot of things that we still see happen to this day of prejudices against people. So um, there was a lot of lessons, a lot of lessons just within our first trip there. So, um, you know, even like walking out of that museum, I'm just like, wow, like I learned a lot and we just made one stop. (laughs) Yeah. 
Some, most I knew, but a lot I learned. I think most people read The Crucible around my age when they were in high school. It was a book written by Arthur Miller that was later turned into a play. And then in the 90s, it became a movie with Daniel Day-Lewis playing John Proctor and Winona Ryder played one of the, played Abigail, one of the girls that was one of the accusers of witches. But the only thing that was very historically inaccurate about that movie is Daniel Day-Lewis was young. John Proctor was actually in his 60s at the time. And Abigail Winona Ryder would have been in her 20s because it was rumored in the Crucible that they had an affair and that's what led to it. Well, at the time, the real Abigail would have been 11 years old. So that was really weird. So that was very historically inaccurate. <laughs> Ooh, but a little bit. In, 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 just a tad. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's what led me to learn about the real truth of what happened. But like I said, I don't, I think what it, a lot of this trip taught me was that you never really know the history about somewhere until you actually go there. Because a lot of things you could read could really be the basis of someone else's opinion. And then you start to kind of form your own opinion around that. So you're really not getting all of the true story unless you actually go there and find out all of the factual history. So, Which was a huge thing about the boarding house, too. Right, right. Um, but while I, we were there, while we were at the museum, one of the cashiers actually was like, have you been to Count Orlock's? Monster, what was it? Monster. Uh, it's my right now. Um, this place was. This place was amazing. I'm so glad. Actually, we had about three or four people tell us about it once they saw the Chucky on my back. Yeah, Count Orlock's Nightmare Gallery that is in Salem. Um, it is really cool. Uh, he actually had a Chucky, a good guy doll, the same exact one we had there for sale. And the guy that was uh, running the place, he had never seen one out of the box before. So he, so that was cool for him in itself. But uh, so many movie props and life-size models and... Autographs. Autographs. I mean... Wa they were basically wax figures of every horror icon you can think of. Literally from like Frankenstein and uh, Wolfman to Alien vs. Predator. That to, was awesome. That was really fucking cool. To more modern um, with The Nun, Chucky, Freddy, Jason, Jason Sam, from, Sam Trick or Treat, from Trick or Treat, Michael Myers. It was they had really the cool. Freaking Linda Blair. Oh, you guys, it was actually really funny because I walked up a ramp and I saw Alien. Like, because when you walked into this room, Alien was like right in front of you. Well, in the back left corner, this motherfucker is just sitting back there, like, all crumpled up. And it actually legit creeped me out. Because it's like, as soon as you walk in and you turn the corner and all of a sudden it's just Linda Blair from The Exorcist fucking... Well, I hate to say Linda Blair Reagan from The Exorcist just sitting there all curled up and with the fucked up getting ready to spew green pee at your face. I and, literally uh, walked in there, turned around and walked out and she was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, just go in there. You're fine. I'm not fine. <laughs> and I looked and I was like, oh my God, that actually is legit creepy. Um, there was a gremlin in there that, that was actually kind of cool. So uh, yeah, this place was really amazing. Like if, legit, if you're a horror fan, that place took you through the entire spectrum of like old school to new school horror. And it's literally in that order too. It was really cool yeah. how they did that where it walked you through the 60s and or the, actually even the 20s. And took you all the way to Valak. And I have to say, I'm really glad. I kind of loved the fact that Valak was right next to 
Michael, Sam, Jason, Freddie, and Chucky. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it goes back to the podcast that we did about La Llorona and towards the end when we were all about James Wan, because he really does need to be in that category with Wes Craven, with John Carpenter, with all of these horror directors, because he's right up there. I mean, he's right, he's right in there with that same, that same genre. And Valak is a perfect icon Oh, for hell him. yeah, for sure. And I think at some point they're supposed to be getting Annabelle. I know he had talked about that. June 22nd. They're yeah. supposed to be getting the, not the real, see, I have to actually make sure I say this right. Not the real Annabelle Badal, not the um, Raggedy Ann one, but they're getting the movie prop, the actual movie prop from the Conjuring series, Annabelle on June 22nd. Which yeah. would be pretty cool. You guys need to visit there for sure. That place was... Really, yeah, if you're a really horror really fan, awesome. go there yesterday. The neat thing <laughs> about Salem is that the town itself, you could pretty much park right in the middle of town and just kind of walk around everywhere. I mean, there were some amazing shops. There were so many neat little attractions, places to eat. Oh my God, you need to eat seafood though. Legitimately. If you're not from that area and you've never had fresh seafood... Like, I need to retrain my palate to not be so fucking bougie, because I was at an open-air market today here in Cincinnati, and I and every time I passed by something that said fresh seafood, I'm like, no. Fresh my ass. That was caught two days ago and shipped into you on ice. That's not fucking fresh. I ate fresh seafood, bitch. Like, let me tell you. And I'm like, oh my god, I have got to stop that shit because I've got, I've literally got to retrain my tongue, like retrain my palate, because like any other seafood, it's just gonna be like, take away this swill, like, <laughs> like, guys, no, seriously, there's this place called Fins, and you actually could eat either inside or outside on their deck out on the ocean. They had this crab nacho dish. Oh my god, we killed it. <laughs> we killed it. Killed it. Um, And the guy was, you know, we had great service, too. The place looked a little bougie, like, "Mm, okay, we're walking up in here with chugging and shit. But, like, it was... High-end people with, like, actually, Yeah, it was actually pretty comfortable. Like, they were playing Bob Marley and shit. Like, that was kind of cool, eating seafood, listening to reggae, like, right on the water. And, like, they played Legalize It, and I was so happy, guys. It is a legal recreational marijuana state can i tell you we walked into a store i bought a t-shirt there's rolling papers up at the front that said i got stoned pun intended in salem massachusetts and the lady was like oh you can buy those it's legal here and i'm like i know yay like as soon as you drive into the state it's like welcome to massachusetts and then a few miles later there's a big big ass fucking billboard that's like marijuana is legal here i'm like Yay! There were like four signs though, for real. Oh there my were god! So many it like of them. made my just made me so happy. I was like, ugh, so amazing being in a recreational state. Now this bullshit. Like, it was really cool though, getting to walk around. Like after we went to eat, we went on this pier, like this uh, area that was out and went out into the ocean, and it was so beautiful. And it was just so neat walking around and see all these old houses and all these old buildings and. We never get to see stuff here. I mean, the oldest buildings you see in and around Ohio are usually like 1800s, maybe 1700s, depending on what part. But, um, I mean, all of these houses, like, 
probably the youngest house he saw was 1860s. Um, they were all like 1600s. Cause like we said, this was a seaport. So most of them were built for mariners. So they were really, really, really old houses that had been fully restored. And I mean, something about the town just smelled different. You had the cobblestone streets and it just, it was just, it was very warm and accepting, um, gay pride flags everywhere, everywhere, like literally everywhere. So, I mean, if you were a black queer witch, I just felt like I was home. I mean, I, I literally felt like I was home. It was almost like making a pilgrimage to my holy place. It felt like, like, I feel like all, I feel more empowered and I feel like I have more strength. And that was really interesting. There's a lot of very positive energy there. Well, like I said, you know, you're around other people that are eclectics and you have all kinds of shops, you know, that are dedicated to witches with herbs and gemstones and different things like that. So like I said, they fully embrace it. They fully, fully, fully embrace it. They're very supportive of it. Guys, I got to tell you this really funny story. Um, There's a visitor center in like right where we parked, like right in the middle of Salem. And when you go in there, they have a lot of really cool, cool shit you can buy. They have um, replica Declaration of Independence, replica constitutions written on parchment paper. And they even had a fucking uh, feather pen yeah. Yeah, uh, with ink. So I'm messing around. Me and, me and Becky are looking around at this stuff. And I pick up a Declaration of Independence. And I look at her and I was like, I wonder if there's a map on the back of this. And guys, I legit, I was bending down and was like looking at something. And you know how like when you're bending down and you're kind of balanced on your toes, I fell over and I was on the floor of this gift shop, this like visitor center, like goofing <laughs> tears. I was laughing so hard and she didn't even mean for it to be that funny, but I low key, like, no, not even low key. I fucking love National Treasure and I loved the sequel. And if anybody's seen it, obviously you have. There's a fucking map on the back of the Declaration of Independence for this treasure. So when she said that, I fucking lost it. Ooh, bless you. Bless you. Got it. Bless you. Yeah, we're definitely back in Ohio. Let me tell you guys. Crossed the fucking allergies. border and it was like... <laughs> It hit her as soon as we crossed the border. It hit me this morning where I was like, oh, yay, I'm congested everywhere. Yay, Ohio. <laughs> like, oh, bless you. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> I think I might be done. Yeah. We're allergic. We're allergic to this place. That's what it is. Like, it's home, but it's not. So we're allergic to it. But yeah, so um, allergies are definitely a thing in Ohio, and they weren't really a thing in Massachusetts. (laughs) Yeah, she just had to blow all the snot out of her nose. I definitely, of course, we'll get into that later, but um, I feel like I have another home, too. So so after that day, we came home and basically just kind of chilled out. We slept real good that that night. We were both pretty... Yeah, actually could get some fucking sleep because I never sleep when I'm in, when I'm not in my own bed. So yeah, any hotel, I'm sure most people are like that unless they're like legitimately dead fucking tired. Um, but like the whole trip was so serendipitous the way certain things happened. Like 
the shop that we went into to buy shirts, we were going to go to one restaurant. They told us to go to Finn's because they said the other place is kind of touristy. So, you know, you want to get from the horse's mouth of the people that live there where to go. So we ate there. Great food, great service. The waiter, we were wanting to find a beach. So he told us about Marblehead. So we went to Marblehead and we run into this couple and their friend and they tell us that where we're staying in Danvers, there used to be a state hospital asylum that they kept the front facade of the building, but the rest of it, they turned into these like ridiculously expensive condos. And when the guy's brother-in-law was working on the pool and digging it up, that's when like a whole bunch of really freaky activity had happened. And as the guy's telling me the story, I remembered it and it's called Danvers State Hospital. And if any of you know about it there's been so many ghost hunter ghost hunting shows that have investigated it because the original building was torn down in 2006 and guys these condos are anywhere between 12 to 2900 dollars there was like maseratis and i mean maseratis as in plural <laughs> in the fucking parking lot we saw like, two of them it was no joke it was ridiculous like but this place it was seven minutes from our hotel we found it and guys, like, I got the worst feelings while we were there. We both did. It just felt like heebie-jeebies. It just felt like I didn't want to be there. I didn't like anything about the energy. Because if any of you know anything about it, it's it was a psychiatric hospital. And it started to get worse before it shut down in the 90s, where they were doing all, like, electroshock and abusing patients and all kinds of really horrible things happened there. And I'm like, there's literally, like, one little placard in the front one little memorial across from the parking lot and that's it. And it's like the whole time we were in there, the front foyer is all remodeled and looks very expensive and whatnot. But like, I didn't even want to touch the door. Like all of the original brick, all of the original facade of the building is still there. And it just gives you the creeps when you know what happened, but then it makes you feel even worse actually being there. And you're like, because I happened to watch when um, the other night or yesterday, actually, I happened to find a ghost show on YouTube that went into the building in 2002 before they tore it down. And where we actually walked into was where the administrative building was. So that would have been like where the offices were, where the doctors were, where the nurses quarters were. And I'm like, this is so weird because before they tore most of that down and remodeled it, these guys, these these ghost hunters that went in there actually found patient records that they just left there. Like, these still had people's names on them. It had what belongings they brought in with them. Um, there were paycheck stubs for employees that were there, like payroll records. Like, it was so weird how all of this stuff, all of these records, all these file cabinets, they just left there. They just left them. And to know that they, like, literally gutted all that and just destroyed it and built these condos and what was creepier is there were these two ladies that walked in after us asking for a bathroom we told them we didn't know the one lady had a little dog with her the dog was fine when he was outside as soon as the dog stepped in there that dog guys did not stop whimpering the entire time nope and then started barking at one point and animals feed on that shit. oh yeah they they know well, what I was going to say was me me and Becky had talked about not going into the building, but we were like, what the hell, we might as well. The best way to describe like when going into that building is, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a heat, or not heated, 
weighted blankets, but it literally felt like walking, when, when I walked in there, it felt like someone just dropped a weighted blanket on me. It was so heavy in there that I was like, who, who would want to live here? Like, this is genuinely awful. It was so heavy. I couldn't imagine living on that area, much less that building, especially. And the night before, we tried to find it, but we couldn't find it. And the whole time, like, I know Becky was trying to figure it out, but we're, like, sitting there in the dark, and I'm, like, everything in my body's like, please leave, please leave, please leave, please leave. I was so creeped out by that whole area. So, and that was actually farther away from the main building. So I'm like, the whole area is just tainted. Just all of it's just so heavy and creepy and not, not a fan. Can't say I'm a fan. Yeah. It's definitely something where I, I, first of all, for the price, fuck that. Yeah, no. But then also just to know how legitimately creepy it is. I'm just like, nah, I'm not down with that. Um, we did go a few, um, the cemetery we went to was really cool because, um, we ended up finding out later on the tour that, and there's even a placard that's set up that, uh, one of the first, one of the passengers on the Mayflower was buried there. Um, and even jo Judge Hathorne, cause like a derivative of the name Hathorne was Hawthorne. So we would see like Hathorne and Hawthorne everywhere. Like even where Danvers State Hospital was, was built on Hathorne Hill where Judge Hathorne's house used to be. So I thought, well, this is already like terrible land because that guy <laughs> convicted so many innocent people of being witches when they weren't. And um, Nathaniel Hawthorne, who wrote The Scarlet Letter in the House of the Seven Gables, grew up there and was a descendant. So um, he was, uh, Judge Hathorne was buried there. And... Um, yeah, the cemeteries were really interesting. The cemetery itself was interesting. I mean, most of the gravestones you couldn't even read because they were so, so old, old and weathered. And Which God was kind of cool what. in itself because you're like, I'm in a cemetery so old I can't read any of the stones. Never been in a cemetery where it was like that before. And that, yeah. Like we said again, it's New England in itself is full of so much history. I mean, that's where the, the you know, mainly the first settlers were. And if you're going to, you know, you're going to get a full history lesson somewhere like that. Make sure, sure you take a ghost tour, too. Um, we did end up, after we went to the beach and went out to eat to another place. No, you make sure you do spellbound tours. I was, I was getting there. <laughs> She's like, hold up, girl, hold up. I was like, up. I was just, I was getting up. I'm trying to add to the audience first. <laughs> Are you sure you still want to go there? Are you sure? But Are of course. Are you sure? Sure, bright. No, but, um... Oh, my God. Yeah, we're not even going to tell you guys. We have our own inside jokes, and they're amazing. When you spend... Th Actually, we spent about 28 hours in a car together at this point, so we're like, yeah, we uh, we have some inside jokes now, but... Love it. Um, we went, we went on a tour. We were trying to figure out what tour we wanted to do, and we passed this guy by um, the visitor center, and he saw our Chucky, and he was like... Are you guys going to do a ghost tour? And we were like, yeah, we were looking at this. Somebody's like, make sure you do ours. He's like, I'll give Chucky a sticker too. Which honestly kind of won me over. Right. <laughs> but I was like, um, sure, we'll think about it. And then we talked about it and we decided we wanted to do that one. It had amazing reviews and I'm so glad we chose that one. 
Uh, Spellbound Tours was absolutely incredible. So much history. They took you around a lot of the main spots in Salem. Told you the history about them. Told you how they were haunted. Um, what exactly went on in them. And it was just, it was really cool. And he talked about Gallows Hill. And he was like, that apparently is a very negatively haunted area. And he's like, I can tell you where it's at if you want to go. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'd rather not go there. Thank you. I'm fine. He's like, yeah, if you guys want to take Chucky there. And we're like, ah, no, definitely not. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm good on that. Like, I don't want to get him attached to anything. Thanks. <laughs> I am totally good on taking Chucky anywhere that, uh, is is purportedly incredibly haunted, but not only that, where um, innocent people were murdered. Like, uh, yeah, not down with that. But um, they, you know, he did legitimately say that there is a lot of activity there, and I can only imagine what type of activity is there because this is where people were hung, people were innocent of, and you know, found guilty of quote-unquote witchcraft based on a bunch of little fucking liars and you know I wouldn't want to go anywhere like that but um yeah there were so many I mean there were little there were little things that he pointed out like one of the buildings in the middle of the town is where they filmed a scene in Hocus Pocus which if anybody loves that movie you're gonna be totally fucking jealous that we didn't actually get to go in the building but we were standing right there next to it so that was really fucking cool um, his name was Dr. Dr. Vidka. Doc, Dr. Vidka. Really fucking cool dude. Yeah, we are actually planning on, um, getting him, uh, getting him on the podcast, guys. We're going to do an interview with him because we figured who better to do an interview with about Salem than someone who does the best tour, has more I mean, legitimately has more information about uh, Salem than I could ever think to know. Like, it's just, it's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible, the, the wealth of knowledge that he had. I mean, there were even things that he told me that was a connection that I never even put together. So again, how serendipitous this trip was. Um, I absolutely love H.P. Lovecraft. Anybody who knows me knows that I love everything about H.P. Lovecraft. I love his stories. Um, the Call of Cthulhu is just one of my favorites. And anybody who's a fan of Reanimator knows that, you know, Miskatonic University, that whole entire story is derived from H.P. Lovecraft. Um, and I found out from him that every, every spot that we went to on our trip was part of H.P. Lovecraft's mythos. Like, even Marblehead Beach that we went to was the beach where Cthulhu rises in the Call of Cthulhu. Like, I flipped the fuck out. And the the biggest thing was Danvers State Hospital was his inspiration for Arkham Sanitarium. And later, Batman took Arkham and took that building in Danvers as their, their inspiration for Arkham Asylum. And if you know anything about Batman, I don't even need to go oh, into what I Arkham love Asylum that game. is. Well, if you just know the comic book, if you if you legitimately know anything about Batman, you're <laughs> going to know what Arkham Asylum is. I mean, I don't right. really need to get into that. Like, so it was just amazing. And he, we actually drove through Providence, Rhode Island from Fall River on our way home. 
and that is where H.P. Lovecraft was born and born and died. He's buried, still buried there. So, like, yeah, it was just this whole trip. Just so many things came together that you know we never would have even been thought of legitimately if it hadn't been for this stop to this stop to this person to this person. Like, it it was just and met so many really, really, really nice people. Like. Oh my God, I can't even get over how many nice people we met. Yeah. I think if you're going to go anywhere when you have a horror podcast, like that's going to be the place to go. You know, Salem is going to be the place to go. Um, So it was actually Sunday that we left and we had about an hour, maybe less than an hour and a half drive to Fall River. Um, And it's, oh my gosh, it's just a gorgeous drive. We drove there. through Boston. Yeah, we actually drove through. Not, yeah, kind of around. Yeah. Yeah, we really <laughs> tried to avoid major cities as much as possible, because good God, guys, during the tour that we took, Dr. Vitka, which I'd never heard of this expression before, and I'm so glad I did, he called Massachusetts drivers mass holes, and let me tell you, sorry, I heart Massachusetts wholeheartedly, but you're fucking drivers. <laughs> oh my God. No offense, but you guys can go fuck yourselves. Yeah. With all the love in the world, uh, go fuck yourselves. Cause literally worst drivers. I don't, and I've never been to California, so I can't really gauge California, but it's gotta be something about East coast and West coast. I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's just so overpopulated that there's so many people at one time that you're just ingrained to become drivers like that i don't know if that has something to do with it just the overpopulation of such a small area but yeah your drivers kind of suck so that's like really the only negative thing i can say about the state to be honest with you um otherwise it's gorgeous it's a really beautiful absolutely gorgeous really beautiful state well we were trying to we left a little early on sunday because we wanted to miss boston traffic um so we went and we wanted to eat at Patty's Pierogies, which we saw on a show on, what was it, the Travel Channel? Yeah, it was on Travel Channel. And neither one of us had ever had a pierogi before. And I know a lot of you are going, oh, right now, because most people did that when I told them that. Um, but they were phenomenal. Uh, Patty's Pierogies is the place to be in Fall River, let me tell you. Yeah, I knew what they were, but I never had one. And I did know that in New England is a very, and kind of has always been for a while, a big Polish and Portuguese community, whereas Ohio is mostly German and Greek. So, God, like even here in Cincinnati, there's literally two places in the entire, in all of Cincinnati where you can even get pierogies. Like, it's weird. There's not a big, yeah, there's not... I guess Polish cuisine isn't something that's really sought after here, but I don't know why it's not because it's delicious. I mean, <laughs> and it's not much different from German. I mean, even soups you got was like cabbage and they had a lot of sauerkraut and kielbasa and that's not much different than um, German food, really. No. Kielbasa and sauerkraut, sauerkraut it's like pretty much the same thing. But, um, yeah, if you're ever, it was even on diners, drive-ins and dives. I know that was like a big thing. If, uh, so definitely if you've never had a pierogi and you're in Fall River, you need to eat there. Like, please. It's delicious. Absolutely delicious. It's a really, really, really good place. And it's really quaint. You can tell that it's been there forever. 
I love places it's like cutesy. that. It's I very like it. cute. It's very kitschy. <laughs> you can tell it's been there forever. You can tell it's family owned. And it's a really cute little tourist spot, I think. It's cute. I like it. Um, well, while we were there, I was like, we still had, we, we didn't need to check into the boarding house until four. Then it was what? One o'clock, I think. And we were literally down the street from it. So we were like, we could go to a park and walk around because the weather, oh, the weather, you guys, the entire weekend, it was nothing but perfection. Um, I asked the lady at Patty's Pierogies, I was like, do you know somewhere we could park where we could like, you know, walk around? And she told us. So we went over to this park and parked and it was the park where that one memorial was, the Iwo Jima. Yeah, it was called Bicentennial Park, and there was a really big, like, Iwo Jima um, memorial statue, and you walked along, like, the coast of the river, and right across from you was Providence, Rhode Rhode Island, and um, they had docked uh, the USS Massachusetts, so we got to see these warships, and it was really cool. It was really... And again, like we said, you couldn't have asked for better. Well, really, the entire time we were there, you couldn't have asked for better weather. It was it was just, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. So we were getting ready to walk back to the car. And Sophia noticed these two cops. And, well, what actually, I'm sorry, I apologize. It was only one at that moment. And he, she walked over to him and she was like, um, do you mind taking a picture with the chick? Because we had Chucky with us. And he was, like, not about holding him. He didn't want to, like, have anything to do with him. (laughs) He was like, I won't hold him, but I'll, you know, we can figure something else out. It was really funny. Yeah. So, just like I said, there were were very few that were freaked out, but the ones that were, was, that just seemed to crack me up more. So, I laid him, I'll actually post the picture. I'll have, uh, Becky send it to me, but lay him. We laid him on the ground and he put his bike, actual like bicycle, not a motorcycle. He put his bike over top of him like he was going to run over him. And it was, uh, it was pretty great. I liked it. So we I was to- like, you have to, I was like, we have to take a picture with Chucky with the cop. Like this is just too much. He's like, I can hold a gun to his head. And I was like, um, can you do that? <laughs> But, um, I guess, you know, like, safety reasons and all that, but... It's like... Because it's an actual gun. It's like, uh (laughs) uh-oh. But, um, we got to talking about why we were there, and from what the website that I looked at, it said that the cemetery that the Bordens were buried in was closed, and the guys were like, no, you can, uh, it's probably closed for cars, but you should be able to just, you know, park somewhere and walk in. And we're like, oh, okay, that's cool. Well, we were getting ready to go and uh, the officer that was talking to Becky told her that apparently they have um, the indictment of Lizzie Borden in the police station. And he was like, if you guys give me a call tomorrow, you know, just let me know and you guys can take a picture of it. And we were like, what? (laughs) Yeah. We unfortunately didn't get a chance to, Um, he actually had to be on duty so, uh, yeah, it was still cool, though, because he gave me his card, and I was like, this is, like, totally cool to have a card from, like, Fall Rivers Police Department. Like, it just really falls into the whole Lizzie Borden story. And, um, you know, I just asked them, the cops, I just thought, it, you know, I was interested to hear from a police, you know, police officer's point of view, like, how they felt about the case. And 
they took it to heart because it's still to them unsolved. You know, I mean, it's a cold yeah, case. Lizzie was acquitted, but it's yeah, exactly. It's a cold case. And prior to them, you know, being street cops, they were both detectives and they both said that they had cases that were still open cases. And even the one guy told me that he saw a guy whole trial knew the guy did it, had all the evidence in the world, and the guy was acquitted and saw the guy walk away scot-free. And it just still, to this day, leaves something with you. And I would, God, I would imagine, especially if you're a good cop, like you really are dedicated to your job, you're going to want to find this person, especially if it was a brutal murder. So to them, they took it to heart, um, which is totally understandable. But... um yeah, it's really neat a lot of the history that you learn about uh, their name and the name Borden and how you would see like Borden Street or Borden Building. And really that name, you think it's some ties like it, it's just it's like a Smith there. I mean, even when we went to the cemetery, um, you saw a lot of Bordens, you saw like Buffington, um even Abby's maiden name, Durfee, which was Lizzie's uh, step mother, stepmom, like there was just, Durf there were Durfee uh, tombstones everywhere. So it just, it was such, Borden was such a common, common, common name that even though you may have seen Borden Street or Borden Building or whatever, that could just very well be a coincidence because of how common the name was, which was like, wow, even I didn't know that. Um, but before we went to the cemetery, we actually decided to go to Mar Marblehead. <laughs> no. <laughs> Maplecroft. Uh, if you guys don't know what Maplecroft is, that is the house that Lizzie bought. What was it, 20 days after she was acquitted? That's what they said? Something like that. Yeah, her and Emma. Her and Emma bought it. Bought it and moved there together. So, if you guys don't know, you guys probably don't know me that extremely well. I am not an emotional person. I don't show emotion for much of anything. Um, crying emotion is what I should say. I'm actually a very passionate person. So, I am an emotional person, but I don't cry over much of anything. Um, also, I never get cold, which is something you'll need to know for later. But, um, so, <laughs> what's actually funny is that we pulled into this neighborhood and it showed us the wrong house and i was like there's a guy sitting out front i don't think this it's is like, right ah, this is the wrong house Ooh, sorry <laughs> so then she uh she looked a little bit more into it and actually found the actual address so we actually found the actual house and boy i knew when we found the house excuse me this was the beginning of me figuring out just how much of a sensitive i am we walked up to that house and it was like, I hit a wall of static electricity. Like, I could feel Lizzie's spirit in that house so strongly that I actually got emotional about it. And Becky was like, are you okay? And I'm, like, sobbing. I'm, like, inconsolably sobbing. And I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Like, I don't know why I'm crying. But I'm like, I feel her here so, 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 so much. And um, she connected with me like, to my core. Like, I really felt her touch my soul. So I'm actually trying to look to see if it's a family, if it's a familial thing, if it's, if I'm related to maybe someone that knew her, or it could just, it could just lit literally be a, you know, a psychological connection, like a very deep spiritual connection that I have with her. 
regardless, it's pretty fucking cool to say that I have that deep of a connection with Lizzie Borden. So, um, I mean, even Becky felt her. Becky felt her there as well. And, you know, it was just, it was really neat to do that. And then we went to the cemetery after that. And it was kind of cool because at the cemetery, I didn't, I didn't feel her, but I felt her. Like the whole trip after visiting Maplecroft, I felt her with me like the entire time, which was pretty cool. Um, but at the graveyard, it was Andrew. Andrew was the spirit that I felt strongly at the graveyard. Emma was nowhere to be found. Emma was like, peace out. I'm not staying around this place. Um, but it was kind of weird the way the graves were set up because even, even Becky pointed this out. So Andrew was buried in between Sarah, which was his first wife, which was Emma and Lizzie's mom and Abby. He was buried in between them. Which, you know, women didn't have rights back then, so they really didn't have a choice of where they were buried. But, um... Yeah, it was just common practice back then. It really wasn't something that was abnormal. Um, you know, if a man ever lost his wife and still had young children, they would pretty much get married almost immediately after that. Um, and really the main reason being is so they could have somebody to raise their kids. Yep, essentially, you know, I mean, and that's, that's for the most part, pretty understandable. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really neat The the energy at the cemetery was something really, really different, especially with later finding out, um, what we really knew about, uh, Mr. Borden and kind of the, um, misconceptions about him that have just kind of been passed along with that story. Um, but like, cause like I said, in the beginning, you cannot, it, it's, you really cannot get a real idea of what actually happened in a place unless you visit there because you're really hearing all of the information. You're getting all of the actual facts of what happened because unfortunately with the Lizzie story, a lot of it is based on people's own interpretation of what they think happened to her or happened with the story. And certain characters have been misconstrued to be something that they're not. And um, I don't think Mr. Borden was necessarily a great, happy, jovial guy, but I do think um, he legitimately has gotten a bad rap. And I think Abby Borden did too. You know, she was the stepmom. She was kind of thrown into all of this with these two young kids. And, you know, she was just trying to keep a household together. And um, I have read that she legitimately did want uh, Emma and Lizzie to have a relationship with their father. She wanted them to. She didn't want that to not be the case just because she was in the picture now. So, um, but yeah, no, I, I agree with her. I really feel like, especially Mr. Borden, he, I don't think he was a great person by any means, but his name has been dragged through the mud pretty nastily over the years. Yeah. And, 
you know, when you see people doing ghost shows about and, like, contacting him and him getting pissed off, I can kind of see why he's bitter and why he's mad. Not just the fact that he got hacked in the face, but, you know, he's he's pissed off. He's pissed off because he's looked at wrong. You know, I don't, we'll never know who the true Mr. Borden was, of course, you know, because we weren't there. But I just, I don't think he was the absolute piece of shit that people make him out to be. And I've believed that for years. So it's, it's, that's a, that was a hard, that was a big pill to swallow. Was that one right there? Like, wow, he really wasn't the absolute bastard that everyone made him out to be. Um, and poor Abby, you know, Abby gets forgotten. Abby, you know, you have this story about the fact that she was killed, but honestly, when you ask people about Abby, what else do you know about her besides the fact that she was killed? You know, in, in actual reality, what the hell do you know about Abby besides the fact that she was killed first or that she was their stepmother? Nothing. No one can tell you anything about Abby. And that kind of makes me sad because Abby is the one that gets forgotten. So even learning about her, what we learned about her was a lot. It was just, it was of so much to take in. And um, even walking into the Borden house, you know, you're kind of hit with this energy that not bad. It wasn't, it wasn't negative. None of it was negative. It's just sad. You right. just, you get this overwhelming feeling of sadness because yeah. especially going into more about what we knew yeah with the house like that that really fucking added to it with the kids yeah and, yeah something i didn't even i mean i did i actually did know this story and i think that just like the hp lovecraft thing i think if it's not something that you've researched extensively about there may just be certain parts of it that you just completely forgot all about um and i know that uh ghost adventures specifically touched on this in their episode about the fact that there were not the first two uh murders that actually happened on the property were not the um were not the Bordens. It wasn't Abby and Mr. Borden, uh, Abby and Andrew. It was actually two children. So um, there was a cousin of, uh, he was Lizzie's great uncle, but he was a cousin to Andrew and his name was Laud Lodwick. And he had a very young, he had a wife uh, named, actually it looks like he had quite a number of marriages. He actually had four in total. Good God, dude. Uh, I only thought there were a couple. Didn't realize there were four. Um, okay. <laughs> the Sir. second wife. Yeah. The second wife that he had, her name was Eliza. His first wife was Maria. His second wife was Eliza. And she killed herself not long after she killed two of their three children. So basically, there it was believed that she had postpartum depression. And... She had the kids pretty quickly one after the other. And I think the the last two were barely a year apart. So clearly she had postpartum de depression. And there was a well on the property that she drowned the two kids in. She went into the basement of the home and slit her throat and died. 
and it during the tour it was brought up that um I think quite a number of people have pretty much experienced paranormal, paranormal activity throughout the entire house. The guide that we had had experiences. There were pictures that she showed us that people took that brought up different things. And then she said specifically that the third floor, the one we were staying in, we were actually in the room with that was um, Bridget's room, which was the uh, Irish indentured servant, which at first when I was in the room, I felt her presence a lot. Um, but then later when I had my interaction with Abby, I think in a way, maybe she was just trying to bring one of the two was trying to bring me to the other for whatever reason. Um, if you guys didn't know, a little side note, Abby and Bridget were actually very close. Right. That is I, actually something I did not know until we were, they were, you know, on the tour. I mean, again, like I said, something that's like leaving out that little bit of information that you legitimately would not know unless you were right. there. Um, like I said, I forgot all about the kids. I, you know, I, I didn't know that about the relationship that they had. Um, I, you know, another thing that Abby was always misconstrued as being like the evil stepmother and she wasn't, you know, yeah, Mr. Borden had a lot of money. He was a bit cheap, but he did always make sure his children had you know, clean clothes and dresses. He did pay the, uh, he did pay Bridget, the servant, quite more than what most were paid. But there were other things, you know, modern amenities he refused to have in the home, just other little things that, that were kind of considered cheapskate. Um, but Abby really wanted the girls to have a relationship with their father. And it was sort of hard because Lizzie was wanting to be close with her, but Emma was significantly older. She was 10 years older. So where like Lizzie would have been four, Emma would have been 14 and Emma was less likely to trust their stepmother, even called her Abby their, her entire life and uh, would have kind of taught Lizzie the same thing, you know, like you got to look out for yourself. You got to do this, you got to do that. And Emma pretty much kind of became her mother rather than a sister. She just watched over her and, you know, did everything she could to make sure she was okay. And Prior to the murders, you know, Lizzie was a Sunday school teacher. She gave to animal sanctuaries. I mean, even after she died and after the trial, she still did the same thing. She was very active in her church. She was very active during the temperance movement. Like, she was a good person. But, you know, again, on the day that these murders happened, there was virtually little to no evidence whatsoever. And they're just like, oh, well, she's a woman. So we'll point the finger at her and... You know, of course, now we know that during a jury trial, she was acquitted, but that just means we still don't know. And I know that uh, Casper and I went into this thinking that we had formed the opinion based on what we knew that without a shadow of a doubt, Lizzie did it. But now what we're leaning more towards after not only the information we got, but also, you know, our tour guide, Danielle, was amazing. She gave us her opinion of it. I don't really want to say because I don't kind of want to mess that up for her because I really want yeah, people no. to take this tour. <laughs> I really, 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 really want people to stay. And I specifically want them to take the tour that she did because she's a history buff and a history major and she knew her stuff. And she gave you all the facts and literally had it almost down to like, like a cop investigation 
And, and that was really cool, too, because that that's what amazing. she did. She was like, at the beginning, I want to, I want you to say who you think did it. And at the end, I want to know if you changed your opinion. Right. Because and she said she wouldn't even dare tell hers until after Well, you would go through each room, and she would literally give you a play-by-play at, like, 9 o'clock, this happened, 11 o'clock, this happened, 1 o'clock, this happened, and trying to set up everybody's alibi, who was here, who was there, what made sense, what didn't make sense. And by the end of it, it was like, my opinion really hadn't been swayed. Like, I still think that that Lizzie was the mastermind behind all of it, is, you know, and Casper feels the same way, but the person that actually committed the murders was not her that's what changed for me right was reviewing the facts because again we had read things and watched things movies about lizzie but a lot of times directors producers they will take things out of context and add in other things for um theatrical effect theatrical effect you know sex sells you know, just just the most outrageous thing is going to sell. Like, whatever is going to sell to people is what a production company is going to go after. So it kind of makes sense. But really, then that just means we were sort of, we weren't really given the whole true story about Lizzie Borden yet. If that, if it just cuts off, you know, there. So... So yeah, no, it was uh, it was awesome. You guys need to stay there. Like, if you are even thinking about it, do it. Trust me, and make sure you stay on the third floor <laughs> because if you want paranormal activity, that's the floor you need to stay on because those kids are crazy active. Um, we there was a couple that stayed up on the floor on the third floor with us, and uh, the lady. Her husband was kind of just like, man, I'm just here for the ride. And then the lady was like, um, I really want to experience something. So we, we did a couple EVP sessions, but, and she did them with us. We didn't catch anything. And then she was like, I'm just going to head to bed. Literally, if she would have stayed probably, what, 10 minutes more? If that. She would have experienced what we were experiencing. And first of all, I want to say the air was off. Um... We were told by the tour guide that they turned the air off because it was cold. What was it that night? It was like Little upper 60s, 50s, something 60s, like that. Something like that, yeah. And they were literally like, if you get warm, open a window. That easy. Right. Um, well, we closed the window because when we were doing the EVP sessions, we definitely didn't want interference from noise outside. And we actually closed the door to our room. The room was very comfortable. There was no drafts. Right. It was closed off. And again, you're up on the third floor, heat rises, so. Right. So, um, we're sitting there doing an EVP session, and I get touched. My knee, my, it was, it was the way I was, like, kind of sitting on the bed, and my right knee gets touched, and I said, um, Sophia just got touched. And it was just, like, this wave of cold came over me. And just like I said, I don't get cold. And I was freezing to the point I was actually shaking. And then she said, I see a shadow in the corner. 
And she looked over at the corner and you saw a head. Yeah. So the two children, it was a little girl named Eliza, who's two, and a little boy named Holden, who was one. Um, and I think specifically why they attached to us in the way that they did is because I've always loved little boys. And um, Casper has a niece about her age, about what Eliza would have been. So uh, it was really neat that they were trying to react to us in that way, as far as like cold spots with Casper and me seeing uh, Holden's shadow kind of creep in and out in between um, this hat box and this trunk and then in the adjacent room to us that happened to be empty that hadn't been rented out. Uh, that room was another one that the kids had a lot of activity in. Um, and there was actually a couple with two teenage daughter daughters that left dolls in there for him. But um, I actually saw him peek around that chest, chest too. So that's how you knew they were children because it was just very playful, playful spirit. So. Well, after she saw the head peek around the corner, um, we actually caught an EVP right there, which I'm going to try to figure out how to upload the EVPs to the site because I really want you guys to hear it. We caught two. Um, one is a voice and one is a something different, which I kind of want to get your guys's take on what it sounds like. I don't want to really tell you what I think it sounds like. Um... But we got two in that room, and then I felt a rush of cold air by my foot. And by that point, I was like, can we please turn the light on? I was getting genuinely creeped out. Um, also, side note, I have a... So besides the actual Chucky doll that I have, I have a tiny little Chucky doll that's like a little stuffed... He's like a little stuffed guy. And I had him sitting on the floor looking at the chair. Mm-hmm. Looking at the door. Yeah, yeah, looking at the door. Sorry, Sorry guys, we're propped, still we're still exhausted. Bleh, propped up <laughs> against the chair, looking at the door. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the way the room's set up, if he's looking at the door, we're to his right, looking at him exactly. from the bed. After I felt the rush of cold air by my foot, I said, "Can we please turn the light on?" I said, "I'm genuinely getting creeped out." And she said, "Yeah." I turned the light on, and she said, "That doll moved." No, I, I saw the doll moving before you turned the light on. But I didn't hear you. Yeah, when you said it, the it first was time. in the dark, and I saw him move. I mean, the only light we had in the room was from my our phone. phones. Yeah. So when she said that she felt the rush of cold air hit her foot, I looked up. And I saw that he was moved. So he went from facing the door to facing us. I don't know when he moved in that time. We never saw him move in that time. I said, uh, he moved. And then I thought she had heard me. She said, can we turn the light on, please? She turned the light on. And then that's when she noticed that he had moved. And, uh, yeah. So. All the while, the room is still cold as hell. for that. Yeah. And then she's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And I said, do you mind keeping the door open, please? <laughs> so please keep the door open. she kept the door open and I kept getting drawn to that back room where no one was staying in. I kept getting drawn to that back room and the actual room that we were staying in actually got a little warmed up. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I'm like, I bet they moved back there. So I actually walked over there to the door frame. And Becky opens the door to the bathroom and looks at me, and I look at her, and I say, I'm pretty sure they moved back here. I turn around and look back in the room, and there's a there's a bed, then a window, then a chair, and I literally see what looked like a little girl running 
passed like right by where the window was at. And I was like, yeah, um, they're that little they're they're in here. <laughs> so she comes over, walks in the room. It is so cold. I kid you not. I thought I was gonna see our our breath. Like it was so freezing cold in that yeah, room. Me too. And that's when you started pointing out seeing his head. Yeah, I saw the little boy's shadow in that room then. So I think that like later we both felt like because you even said like just you know guys stay in that room for the night because yeah I would not have been able to handle with them being in our room all night that was just enough for me because again like I said guys we've never felt scared as far as like negative energy but it was a lot scared as far as like being freaked out and you know I shared with everybody the paranormal experiences I've had but they were 15 plus years ago and I've never had anything where it was like cold spots, shadow figures, class A EVPs that are actually responding to questions, things moving, legitimate objects moving. Like I've never experienced anything like that before. Well, ever. the craziest thing I think that happened was right when I kind of walked into the room a little bit. I was holding my arms kind of crossed because I was cold. And I felt a sensation on my arm that felt, you know, a lot of people have said when you feel this, it feels like spider webs. And that's what it felt like. I felt like I had a spider web like being drug across my arm. And I was like, um, okay, this is weird. So I pull my arm out thinking it's my hair. And I'm like, literally like looking like I'm playing a fucking guitar because I'm trying to see where my hair is at. There was nothing there, and I'm going to describe this the best way I can. It literally felt like a finger was running down my arm and then grabbed my wrist. And I said, are you trying to hold my hand? And, you know, I know it's a child, so I get down on my knees and hold my hand out, and she was trying to hold my hand. I could literally feel a cold spot moving around my hand, and... Becky, I, I told her, I said, please come here and feel this because I don't want to be like, am I feeling this? Am I making this up? And no, she felt it. She, she, even in the coldest of that room, there was an even a colder spot surrounding my hand and just circling my hand. And by that point, that was when I was getting overwhelmed. And I was like, can we go outside for a minute? Because I'm like, I'm getting, I'm like, this is, this is a lot right now. And, of course, you know, she was like, yeah, of course. So I said, I asked them very nicely. I said, do you guys care to stay in here and play for the night? And they did. They literally never, they left us alone. Yeah, that was it. Um, then what's, what was really weird from there is, like, so we're on the top level. You go down to the second level. That door, there was a door there that was Abby Borden's room. And... It was said during the tour that no ventilation goes in and out of that room. And again, they didn't have the air on anyway. So there would be no reason that that room, there would be any kind of draft coming from that room. Well, we started to feel fine till we got to the entrance of that room and there hit another cold spot. But this one was even bigger. And, and my mind, for whatever reason, I thought it was a draft from coming underneath the door because when we got to the bottom floor where the door was to go outside, there was obviously a draft because it was chilly outside. So we stood outside just trying to process like everything that had happened. And it pretty much all forgot about the cold spot that was outside the door. And, um, you know, when we came back, back, it was gone. It wasn't there. So 
we we went back inside and then I guess like half passed out just from fucking trying to get some kind of sleep. So woke up. Um, there were two, there was a family of four, two, two teenage girls that were staying in the room, Abby's room, and they pretty much, uh, for the most part, solidified that cold spot that we felt because they said we were so hot in that room all night that we even opened a window. So I still like it. And didn't they said feel with like the window draft. open, it was still hot. It was so still it wasn't hot a draft outside. on the window. So it was still not a draft. Plus the location from where the door was to where the window was, even if there would have been some type of a draft, it wouldn't have been that significant that she, I didn't feel like, I think I tried to rationalize that it was a draft. But even if it was nothing, it didn't actually feel like cold air coming from underneath the door. It no, it was like just like walking into walking the, into cold. the cold spot. And it was tall. It was a lot taller because, you know, like we felt the children. Right. And those weren't, they were little. Right. This literally Child felt like size. somebody was standing there. Well, and my husband brought up a good point since that was Abby's room that that could have very well been Abby standing outside her door, wondering why it was closed, wondering why somebody was staying in her room, you know, um, which is totally understandable. (laughs) Bitch, what the fuck? Like, yeah, of course you don't know, you know, especially if you were murdered there. I would think your spirit would pretty much be there. That was what got me, though, was especially when we came back in, it was gone. Right. And we were gone for 10 minutes. If that. That wouldn't have changed in 10 minutes. Yeah. Not that much of a temperature drop. Um, so the next, the other thing that they told us too was they said about three thirty, they heard keys, and I had my keys, my car keys, and everything on the nightstand next to the bed. Um, you know, and of course we didn't think to take pictures of the room, or uh, you know, we didn't have video, so we didn't think to like take pictures of objects to see if they moved or anything right. throughout the night. Um, I think at that point we were just so exhausted. <laughs> we just wanted to pass out and get some type of sleep unconsciousness for the trip. Um, but the girls had mentioned that they distinctly heard keys jingling, but then like more importantly, it felt like somebody was dragging keys along the um nightstand. Now and they were b- right below us, guys. They where they right. stayed, it was the room directly below us. And they heard us laughing at one point, so sound travels very well from our room to their room. Right. So, um, you know, they asked us if we were up by then, and when they said it was around 3.30 or so, we were like, no, no, definitely not. We were definitely both passed out by then. Um, You know, and again, kind of freaked out, but wasn't really scared in a negative way per se, but just thought to myself that that's clearly something kids would do. They would play with keys. Like, you know, that makes total sense. So. So it's haunted. Yeah, it's definitely haunted. Um, So it's haunted. I'm going to share a personal experience I had that actually had photographic evidence, guys. And this is like. So. Most people, when you have not many people can come away, not only with class A EVPs from purported haunted place, but to actually be touched and have photographic evidence of being touched in a purportedly haunted place, like, that doesn't happen quite often. Because that means you've gotten an actual attachment connection to that person in that place. Um, so during the tour, 
And again, Danielle did a phenomenal job. She was like so informative through the whole thing. Thank you. Um, There was information about the home. um, Again, like we went into the the children being murdered, but there was actually information about the actual murders that I wasn't aware of. And one specifically was with Abby. So the initial blow Everybody believes that Abby was hit in the back of her head, that those were most of the blows that she she sustained was to the back of her head. Because most people by now online can see the crime scene photos, the autopsy photos and whatnot. Um, but there was actually a blow, and I think it was the first blow that she received was in her back in between her shoulder blades. When we were in that room during the tour, I happened to be standing in between the bed and the dresser, dresser, in right in the spot where they found her body. So as that part of the tour was moving along and people were leaving that room, I was the last one to leave. I didn't actually feel like something hit me in my back. I just all of a sudden felt a dull, sharp pain right in my back, right in between my shoulder blades. So I have back pain. I've had shoulder problems. I've made this clear to many people. Um, but that part of my back never hurt the entire trip. So you're talking through a 13 hour drive, all the walking we did, the the hotel bed, like back was fine that entire time until I was in that room, until I was leaving the room and I felt a dull, sharp pain right there. Didn't you also say you felt like you wanted to lay? Yeah, and then something, like, made me want to lay there, which was really weird. I was like, because I don't. (laughs) Like, that's where a dead body was, and it just, but something was drawing me to there. So, again, I think that could have very well been a part of the attachment. Um, Just to let you guys know, too, she said none of this to me while it was actually happening. Yeah, I didn't tell I had no idea that this was happening while it was happening. I kept it to myself, because I think, even if you're not a skeptic, you try so hard to rationalize all of that stuff because I'm I'm a bit of a skeptical, like I'm not a skeptic, but I think I'm one of these people where I do believe, but I do first try to debunk it. Well, it's just like what Danielle said. Yeah. That's what you want to do. You yeah. want to, you want to try to debunk it first. And then if you can't, then you know, it's legitimate. Yeah. Then, you know, if it's unexplainable, then it's just unexplainable. So there you go. You, it's legit. Um, so I don't mention anything. The t- I'm still feeling the pain. The tour ends. We go up to our room. Um, we're just kind of like uh, unpacking and getting settled for the night. And I tell Casper, I said, you know, something touched me in that in Abby's room. And I have a dull, sharp pain right in the middle of my back, in the middle of my shoulder blades. And it hurts so bad. Her first instinct was lift your shirt up. Let's take a picture. Cause obviously if anybody's watched ghost shows, if they've mentioned being touched or scratched or anything, they're going to have a red mark or welt or scratch or something on their body. Well, lo and behold, and Casper goes, you know, I don't want to alarm you, but you've got a mark on your back. And I did. And it's a red mark on my back, right in between my shoulder blades. It's not a rash. I didn't touch it. She didn't touch it. Nobody touched me. And it actually looks like, now, if anybody's familiar with what a actual hatchet looks like, there's the sharp end of the hatchet, but there's also like a butt, like blunt end, the back of the hatchet. 
And that's what the shape of the red mark looks like. It looks like the blunt back end of the hatchet, like somebody would have hit me there with it. Um, I had that pain throughout the entire night and pretty much it lingered with me all the way until the next day, even into my trip back home. It just was this very dull, sharp, right down into my muscle pain in my back in between my shoulder blades. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what you want to call that. I've never had that type of one-on-one -on -one experience with the spirit before. Um, I, again, did not feel like I was in danger, did not feel like I was going to get hurt. I just felt like for whatever reason, that was Abby's way of making a connection with me. Um, even the next morning when we had breakfast, so that, the dining room is actually where they did the autopsy. Um, Isn't that nice? So like that in itself. Um, the breakfast was absolutely delicious, though. It was amazing. But yeah, was, kudos to you guys. It was hard for me to eat it. First, where we the two chairs that were left were at the head of the table. And I, for whatever reason, got this overwhelming sense of disrespect. Like, we should not be sitting at the head of the table. Mr. Borden and Abby should be sitting at the head of the table. Because if you know, that's just where your elders sit. That's where the man and woman of the house sit. So that made me uncomfortable. And then realizing that the curio cabinet behind us had the autopsy, the actual photos of the skulls of Abby and Mr. Borden. And then below that were um, uh, molds. They were replicas. Uh, replicas of the skulls. And I was sitting on Abby's side. So I was sitting on the side where directly behind me was the replica and picture of her skull. And I just felt her so strongly around me. And I just felt like I did not share with anyone at the table what happened to me. Because I almost felt like Abby was telling me not to say anything. Um, out of respect, to be honest. like out of respect for her, I felt like in that moment, that was something that she meant for me to feel. And I personally, in that moment, didn't want to share it with anybody. Um, I understood why Casper wanted to share hers, but, or just the EVP experiences and everything that we had, because of course people were going to be intrigued there. And really besides the two young ladies, um, most of the people there said that they really didn't experience much of anything. And lucky for them, they actually got sleep. Um, the like, how is, the hell? The like, fuck is it? Like, how do you sleep, right? How do you sleep in a place like that? Like, what? I mean, and again, I could see if you weren't an empath, maybe, because you wouldn't have felt it as strongly. But we are. And we're open to those things. So we felt every bit of it. Um, so legitimately the place is haunted. If you yourself don't experience anything there, really just go for the history. I mean, this was, this was a case that literally garnered worldwide fame and the only other pictures of autopsies and murder victims that were ever taken prior to this was the Jack the Ripper case. This is only the second case in the world where there were actual crime scene photos and autopsy photos. The first time they had, had ever been done was Jack the Ripper. So just for the history of the murders, of the home, of the town itself, 
is is legitimately worth going. Oh, yeah. It really is. And then one quick thing before, you know, we're done. We want I wanted to go back to Maplecroft because I wanted to say goodbye to Lizzie. And um so oddly enough, there were just a lot of connections with her that I had. Um I found a rose in the ocean, which we looked up and did a bit, little bit of research on that, which apparently means it's very strongly connected to suicide. Um, to, was it suicide prevention or like something like if that? If you lost someone to suicide, yeah. you know, they would throw a rose into the ocean as a, you know, commemorating that person. Which, you know, that was kind of, that was really interesting to find out. But um, the weird thing was, is that, you know, Lizzie was known for having rose bushes outside of her house. And then another thing happened where I actually found a, I actually found granite on the beach. And that was what was on the stones that led up to her house. Um, pardon me. But of course. Oh. <laughs> Do you have any gray coupon? <laughs> <laughs> but of course. <laughs> um, sorry, my, my Eliza takes over. Um. Love it. So we walked up to the house again. I wanted to tell her goodbye, and I felt her just as strongly as I felt her the day before. And I had mentioned to Becky, not at that time, but I, there. okay, so the way the house is made, if you look at pictures that I posted, there's a screened-in porch, like, right before you get to the door, and then after the door, there's, like, that, that there's, like, a window to the right. I kept feeling her standing there in the green, in the green, in the screened in porch to the I left of the door. Yeah, I did too. Because I kept looking up there, like I kept feeling like somebody was looking at me. So I kept looking at that spot. Come to find out later, so did Becky. Becky was like, she was standing right, and I'm like, okay, that's exactly where I felt her standing because I kept glancing up in that spot, and I'm like, waiting to see her like literally waiting to see her standing right there um we both felt very compelled to touch the door oh yeah um now the way this this house is look the the way the door looks it looks like it could have some kind of crazy security on it so you know you're kind of afraid to touch it Mm -hmm. because you're like if i touch this door am i going to jail (laughs) But um, we both felt very compelled to touch the door. And to be honest with you, I personally felt like if I touched the door, I was going to see her mm-hmm. right there. And she felt like if she touched the door, she was going to get emotional like I had been getting. Um, so she happened to look down by to the left of one of the. To the left of the stairs and she touched the actual. So the granite on top of the stones was not original. You could tell it wasn't original because being sensitive is like when you touch certain things, you feel something, but you don't feel it as strongly as if you touch something that's like original and like supercharged with energy. Well, and then I could just tell from knowing stonework myself, I could tell that that was modern granite. It was very new looking too. It looked brand new. Now below that was very weathered. So that's how you could tell that that was the original stone that was there on the steps. Immediately when I touched that, it was like static in the air. And you felt 
her energy everywhere. And she told me, she said, come here, come here and touch this. She said, this is definitely the original stone. And when I touched it, it literally felt like electricity shot through my mm-hmm. body. And it was her. It was literally her spirit. Um, and what was funny, here's the crazy, the crazy part. So you know how Becky was talking about how she felt Abby so strongly. She felt her tell her, um, don't say anything to them. I got the same thing, but with Lizzie, but it was kind of over something funny. <laughs> so Becky accidentally, I don't, how did you do that? How did you? I was feeling around the granite and where the mortar was in between the two stones. I could feel that it was loose and I was kind of messing with it. And I pulled a big <laughs> chunk out and I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like. Like, who am I saying sorry to? Like, I felt like I was saying sorry to her. Like, oh my God, I'm sorry I messed up your house. Like, But what was really funny is right when she did that, she gave me a look and I heard her laugh. Not audibly, I heard her laugh, like, in my head. And obviously we don't have a clue what Lizzie Borden's voice sounds like. Right, no. And she put it back and she goes, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. And I literally heard her giggle and go, I know. And I was literally sitting there looking at her like I can hear her talking. Like, <laughs> like I'm not gonna tell I'm not gonna take it. I'm like, she's talking through me, like in my head. I can hear her. That's how strong she was in that moment. And then right before we left, I got a couple pennies out of my wallet and Becky had the idea of putting it in that exact spot so no one else would take it. It would be strictly for Lizzie. And right right when she did that, I heard a th- I heard thank you. And then, of course, I got emotional again. (laughs) Yeah. It was rough. And I've never felt, guys, I've never felt a spirit that strong in my entire life. Like, that was a connection I will never forget. And I hold very, very, very dear to my heart. And even, even Becky felt her pretty strongly as well. So, And if people don't know the connections with pennies, um, you know, it's, you cross the river sticks. You pay the toll to the ferryman to cross the river sticks into heaven. So the story has a lot of uh, Catholic, Christian, pre-Christian significance, Greek mythology, whatnot. Um, so like even at her graveyard, there were a lot of coins and offerings and whatnot. And um, I left her a piece of stone and a piece of sage. It was one of the rocks that we had actually found on the beach. And I left some, an incense cone. And the next day when we went back before we left, someone had burned the incense cone. So I personally would love to thank whoever did that. Because if you ever see offerings or things left for people, don't take them. Don't mess with them. That is specifically, someone who left that specifically left that for that deceased person. And you're, you're desecrating something on hallowed ground. And yeah, you're going to get all kinds of bad karma coming to you if you do something like that because you are not supposed to do things like that. So clearly whoever burned that incense cone on her gravestone was probably a witch and knew that that was an offering that was left for her. So I, I thank you for that. You will Many good karma and good fortunes will come to you for being respectful of someone's offering. That was really awesome. So um, yeah, I felt like leaving those pennies there, leaving them where we left. It was just, again, all going back to leaving something personally for Lizzie. 
for her. It's so. pretty cool having that experience with Lizzie, too. Yeah. Like, even getting the experiences that we had with the children. I have always had a weird obsession with Lizzie Borden. I have since I heard of the story when I was a kid, when I found out it was real. Yeah, me um, too. Oh, So getting to feel her like that was just, I'm still, I am still to this day overwhelmed by it. And, you know, a couple of my friends talked to me and one of my friends who's an incredible, I'm telling you, she's a psychic medium. She just doesn't know it yet. Um, But she's like, I can literally feel Lizzie's spirit through you. She's still with you. And I'm like, I feel her. I, I still do. Like that was such a deep connection that I've never had before with the spirit. And I loved that it was her. I mean, I, I, I do. I have, I absolutely love that. Yeah. The whole experience was really charged for me spiritually. Um, definitely for both of us. Uh, I, I feel recharged and if you're a witch, it's Salem is where to go. It's your Mecca. <laughs> I mean, if you've never fe- felt more powerful anywhere you're gonna feel it there the energy the spirit the the place is so magical and again filled with so much history um it it just it's amazing it's amazing I mean if and just really go if you're if you're a history buff go you know I don't I don't want to come off you know, saying that, oh, wow, only witches and empaths and people, right, and people that are, you know, like, if you, if you love history, if you love colonial history, if, if you want to learn about early settlers to the country, um, go, uh, the views are absolutely gorgeous during the summer, the weather is perfect, um, and the seafood is amazing, so, yeah, just if, if we all know the story of Salem and the witch trials, we all know the story of Lizzie Borden and the murders. If you really want a history lesson into both, go visit. Just if not for the history, the architecture, the atmosphere, the food, oh, that's, the food. That's, the, that's the thing to go for. You know, of course, if you're a witch, if you're an empath, if you're that Salem is going to have a special meaning to you just like it did to me. But really all in all, that entire trip was just so amazing to learn the history the history was overwhelming yeah I mean it really was but it was it was so so worth it it was so worth just that for the trip it was so good for sure yeah hell yeah well guys that's about it and thank you guys for all the new uh social media followers that we got for the trip all the people that are new listeners for the trip, we really want to thank anybody new that's started listening to us and has become a fan. Um, truly appreciate that. We're going to be known as those girls that were carrying around Chucky. Yeah, if you guys start randomly <laughs> seeing Chucky pictures showing up on your uh, Instagram and Facebook feeds, that was us. That was us in Salem and Fall River, Massachusetts. You'll, <laughs> you'll know now if you know the podcast. So yep. there you go. And tag us too. You know, I hate when people try to use other people's pictures and and they don't give credit. So if Especially the one it, in the Borden house. We worked very hard with Danielle for that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we worked extremely hard for that. So if anybody legitimately sees pictures out there um, that you know came from our social media, please tag us. Please give credit where credit's due. We would, we would appreciate that. We worked very hard on those pictures. So Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. 
And now a word from our sponsor. I'm sorry. <laughs> she was stretching. Your body down. She was stretching. I was stretching. Um, and I got into one of those really good stretches where it's like, you can't stop. Mm-mm. <laughs> You're like, oh, this feels good. I was like, a word from my sponsor. Oh, Everything's pilly. <laughs> this is good. Shop right. Um, we got it. Uh, so uh, right now, guys, I know, guys, you guys are going to have to forgive me. I have post-vacation brain. Um, I'm bleh. So uh, I've pretty much been useless the last two days, um, just trying to rest and reclaim my life um <laughs> right like i'm so, just trying to be a person again i'm just legitimately trying to live again and function um so like i mentioned prior to the vacation all products on the etsy shop except for the pokemon bath bombs are still available um and everything else is all half off everything is all half priced through till jan to, through july 4th um, so after July 4th weekend, everything will go back on, go back to its original prices, but you can still get free shipping. If you follow the Instagram, follow the don't fuck with the original Instagram and enter the promo code, uh, DFWTO when you shop. So you will still get free shipping. You're still guaranteed that. Um, but really take advantage of everything being half price. Cause like I said, it's only going to last a few more weeks. And then after that, um, I probably won't be offering that sale again until uh, closer to Christmas, which I don't even want to talk about. Um, oh, but God, that word even in itself. I'm, I'm just like, trying Whoa. to give everybody an idea <laughs> that if you really want to get a good deal, you better get it now because you're probably not going to get that deal again for another six months. So um, order up everything. Um, I I am really legitimately going to try to get Pride bath bombs out to you guys before the end of the month. Um I'm going to work on a prototype, see how it works. If it works, I'll get some promo shots up uh, next week, and um, they will be available. Uh, they will also be half off and available all the way through uh, 4th of July weekend. So um, I'll get some more promo shots out to you guys next in, week In for your that. defense with the Pride Bombs, you've been a little busy the last week. So. Yeah, I've legitimately been like... Oh my God, my brain is not functioning. If I would have thought to make them by the end of May, it would have been out before we left. But that obviously completely slipped my mind because by the time June it's hit, just a slip. I just had vacation. Just a slip. Just a little slip. Um, <laughs> I just wanted to go on vacation, guys, honestly. Once June 1st hit, I just legitimately had vacation yep. on the brain and Same. nothing else because I haven't been on a actual vacation and like I don't even know. So And it was like that was the most draining best vacation I've ever had in my entire life. Yeah. So let me get my life together this week, guys. <laughs> um but again, take advantage of everything half price except for the Pokeballs. Um and just keep checking back for um any any new stuff coming up. So thanks guys. Calm your body down. <laughs> Um, all right, guys. So if you want to find us on social media, go on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Don't Fuck With The Original. Twitter handle DFWTO8811. If you have any if you have any questions or concerns, please email us at DFWTO8493 at gmail.com. You can find us on CastBox, Podbean, Podcast Player, Spotify, and apparently now Podcast Addicts. Um, 
I was told that we were on there, and I went and looked at it, and apparently through Podbean, that's a thing. So that was kind of cool to see. The more platforms, the better. Yep, absolutely. Give us a follow, give us a subscribe, and you will get notifications every time we have a new episode out. Next week, we will be doing Lizzie Borden. We will be going fully into the history as much as we possibly can, trying to remember everything we learned, because like we said, it was overwhelming. It's like an overload of history, so... And you guys will definitely be, if you thought you had an opinion on it, just wait. And I actually thought about this today. I'm going to do a poll um, and run a poll and see who you guys think the the the, the winner. <laughs> okay, who do you I'm think done. was the winner who of the Who do you murders? think the winner was? <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You're the murderer today. You get 10 months in jail. Congratulations. Um, no, I'm going yeah, to no. see who you guys think the killer is. And um, kind of like how our tour guide get it, did it and see if you guys change cool. your opinion. Because I, like that idea. I had an opinion 15 years well, we both and did. stuck with it. And guess what? My opinion changed. So we both did. It's really? it, Well, it half changed. You'll learn what we but, need when we go yeah. in depth. Um, and we're not going to give... Personally, I don't really want to give our opinion until the podcast after because I want to know what you guys changed it to. I don't want to sway you guys. I don't want, I want to know what you guys genuinely think. And then the Salem podcast will reveal what we truly think happened. Well, and like, um, oh, another quick thing I wanted to mention too, uh, you guys will still get the, um, you know, like we mentioned about the stickers, whoever got a sticker. Yes, thank you. Um, sorry we ran out. Thought we ran out. Sorry if you didn't get one. Um, but if you order any of the products from Calm Your Body Down, um, you will get a free DFWTO sticker. So if you missed out on the stickers, take advantage of the free shipping, all the half price products, and get your free DFWT sticker. Um it's at CURBD, the website. That's where I am on Instagram. Um, calmyourbodydown.com is the website. And the Etsy shop is etsy.com um, slash shop slash calmyourbodydown. So, um, yeah, please, 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 please still take advantage of that. Um, so we've got the Lizzie Borden episode, All That History. And then the week after is when we are going to be doing our interview with Dr. Vitka himself of Spellbound Tours. We are going to try to schedule that to talk with him to Skype to do an entire Salem episode. Um, So we will have all types of questions set up for him um, to just go into a plethora of history about not only the witch trials, but the city itself. Um, And he's a gold mine of information. We loved him. It was great. He was a sweetheart. Also, follow them. On Instagram, and you'll see a pretty funny picture. So, Chucky got inspired by the Boston Strangler that (laughs) night. It was just so full of paranormal activity. (laughs) You know, usually it was the what was he actually? It was the was the Long Island Strangler, Uh, Lake Lake Shore Strangler. Yeah. So, yep, that was a nice Long Island. You got a Midiville on the brain, right? I, I, can't, I can't I can't escape uh New York, I guess. <laughs> I we're trying Island. to leave I New got York. Long Island. We're trying to we're trying to leave East Coast period. So Yeah, if you guys want to follow them, it's spellbound tours. 
Uh, all one word on and if Instagram. you're in Salem, that is the only haunted tour that you need to take. Yeah. Trust us. I mean, that's the only one we did, but it was best. Well, that's the only one you need to do. Yeah. So he said there was go. like 38, and that was like, this is it. This is the only one. <laughs> this Just is do that one. The only one. Ignore the other ones. So. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we will see you next week for some board in action. Until then, you have an awesome week, and goodbye. See you. Shop right. <laughs>